I'm here today with a spirited and entertaining contemporary bassist, a talented recording artist with 11 albums under his belt, and a creative producer, Brian Anderson. Welcome. Thank you, Stefan. Oh, man, you're too kind. I might have to send you some money or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, you were born and raised on the west side of Baltimore, and I believe you have a quote that says it's the birthplace of your musical journey. Take me through that. Where did where did it actually start, and how is it that West Side Baltimore is what made you as creative as you are today? Absolutely, yeah. I, I, I was born on the west side of Baltimore, and it was just the community and the neighborhood um, where I grew up. There was always music, and two doors down from me there was a band that practiced in their basement <laughs> all the time. Now, I'm like 10, 10, 11 years old, and I would be playing with my friends. You know how you go out and play with your friends. Yeah. And then I would hear the band practicing. So I would leave them and just go sit in the windowsill where the band would practice. And um, that's that's what, what got it flowing for me, man, just watching these guys. And they would never shy me away or say, go away, kid, or anything. It would be hot. It would be summertime. So they would have the window open. It wouldn't be, hey, man, you're, bro you're blocking the air or anything. They would <laughs> let me sit and listen. And every time, I would leave my friends, stop running around, and just sit in that window seal. What kind of music were they playing? What were they? Uh, what kind of band were they? The band was called Albatross. Okay. And it was, it was. I found out later, some funky kind of bird. <laughs> but it would be funk, you know, R and B, you know, the, the music that was going on in that era. So it was right. funk music. It was upbeat, you know. The tempo was great, and I just gravitated toward that music. Not to mention that around every corner, there was a band. There was always a band playing somewhere. Oh my goodness. So you could walk around the street, and I grew up on Buford Avenue, and I have a CD uh, titled Buford Avenue. But you could walk around the corner, and there'd be you hear some drums playing, and then you'd hear another band if you turned another corner. So that's what got me. Not to mention the music of the seventies. Right. My favorite era. Um, you know, it was all live performance. There were no drum machines and all that stuff. It was all live. Yeah. Not only you not only got music, but you got a performance. Yeah, I go back in that time in my head, and the performances were almost what made the show. The song, the music, the beat—it had your inside, your soul, your your heart going. But your eyes were focused on everything that was going on. People didn't just stand and sing at a mic. They moved and they got you moving. And it was all all part and parcel of, of the songs. I look at some of your your um, influences. Uh, Spyro Gyra, I actually watched some of their videos. And I see with them because they do jazz, they do punk, they do R&B, or funk, not punk funk and R&B and I see influences I do see how they've influenced your music because you're very you've got that funk and R&B feel to things and it's very very organic you know you've got a rhythm that people can just sort of move as soon as you start playing you can see people in their chairs you know when you're in the small the small club that I've seen videos of you in people are in their chairs and they're moving as soon as you start playing they start to move with the music Absolutely. I mean, you know, that's what got me hooked. You know, Spyro Drive to this day, still one of my favorite bands. In fact, I have a, a song uh, called All Day. 
And sometimes people listen to that and it's like, is that spiral driving? Because it's so, <laughs> it has so much of my influence on that song. And I love, as you said, I love the intimate places that I play because you're connected to the audience. You know, yeah. you're right there. And then you make eye contact and you, you sometimes I would love to go out in the audience and just sit next to somebody and play. You know, it's that intimacy that I love about performing. Yeah. So I've noticed, like, I've watched the videos of you playing in different different venues, and I don't see nerves. I see somebody who's sort of very relaxed, very into the music, very, very there in the present moment of just playing the song and being a part of that that sensation that he's pushing out into the audience and sort of feeling what they're giving back. Do you ever get nerves when you're doing stage performance, when you walk out? Oh, man. Always. <laughs> you know, um, and, and my wife says, well, you don't seem nervous because I don't like to eat before I perform. I don't care what time, because I get so nervous about it, you know, and people say, well, you don't look nervous. You don't act like, once the, like you said, once the music starts, right. I'm okay. But it's that anticipation. So yeah, all the time, you know, and uh, that's happened all the time. But once I start playing, I'm comfortable and we're into the music and we're good. So the nerves, is it that you're worried about making a mistake, that worried about whether the audience will like it, or is it a sort of that just that that giddy, heightened uh, adrenaline rush that I'm going out on stage and I'm playing? What 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 is it for you? <laughs> it might be all the above. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, no, it's the anticipation right before, especially if it's a new place, a new audience. You right. don't know what to expect. But then I have to think about it. Hey, my name is on the, on the poster. They are actually coming to see me. Ah, okay. Um, and then that, that makes it better. So it's like, okay, I'm cool now. I'm good now. You look out in the audience and you see someone making eye, ta- eye contact and they start to pat their foot and stuff like that. I'm like, I'm like, okay, I'm good now. <laughs> so <laughs> the nerves are there initially, but right after that, I'm good. So the music, is it... When you're playing, do you get mechanical when you play in the sense that you think about the songs that you're playing and where you're going to have your fingers? Or do you lose yourself in the music and it just is a matter of looking around the audience and seeing how they're responding? Your brain, that piece of focusing on what you're seeing is out there, but the rest of you is just sort of into the music. You don't think about what you're playing. You don't think about the notes because it's become second nature. How is it for you? Most of the time, it, it is, because we've re- rehearsed these songs. We've played them for a long time. Man. Now, if it's a new song, it might be. I, think, oh, I need to think about remember where to put my fingers. <laughs> Who never played the song before? <laughs> but most of the t- time, we've played all the songs for a long time. My band, have uh, my drummer, my keyboard player, they've been with me for about 13 years now. Oh, my goodness. So the sax player, he's been with me for about seven Right. So we rehearse these songs. They have the music. If I throw throw in something new, maybe okay. I got to remember, put my fingers here. But for the most part, you know, my fingers know where to go. It's just about uh, the audience participation, seeing right. what's happening. Now, if I see a whole bunch of people just staring at me and saying, "Hey, what is this guy doing here?" <laughs> okay, <laughs> that would be an issue. But you make contact almost immediately. Right. Uh, you see people, they're enjoying themselves, they're leaning in, then they're like, okay, we can have some fun. You know, I can relax now. 
I have to ask, I mean, you, you've been with Japan for 13 years, right? Or is it longer than that? So the players that you've got, you have two, 13, and your saxophonist for seven years. Before that, were you doing any session work? Uh, no, I've never really been a session player. I've always done, I've done a few sessions for people early on when I lived in San Diego, usually when I was producing somebody else's music. I might do okay. Yeah. Right. No, it's it's pretty much I've always been focused on making my music. Sitting around here with the bass in my hand and uh coming up with ideas. The next thing you know, I'm working on a song. So session playing has never really been my thing, never been my forte. The people in, in your bands, when you're doing the work, do you prefer to play it live or do you prefer to do the recording? Which which one for you is is that heart and soul piece for you, you know, where you're either in the studio and you're refining it to make it sound absolutely perfect or do you prefer just let's get it out there, let's get it in front of the people and let's like, push it out and see how they respond to it? Oh, I 100% like playing live. Usually, I've already worked on the song. I've already recorded the song. Right. So, you know, um, getting the musicians in, I like for them to put their own stamp on what I do. You know, if it's someone outside of my circle, someone I hire as I'm producing, I, I hire them because I know what they're going to do. The people I've been working for have worked with me for years, so they know what I like. You know, if I get a keyboard player who doesn't play with me in my band, if I send a track out, uh, he always say, "Oh, Brian's gonna want some organ on this." <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, they all know what I like because they've been working with me for years. Right, so we're talking thirteen years worth of music. So they all, I hire them for what they bring to the table. Have you found at any point in time when you're playing live, somebody, either yourself, you get into that mood, or one of your other players decides they want to do a little improvisation. They want to take it just ever so slightly in a different direction. Have you ever run into that experience or allowed that kind of experience? I encourage that. <laughs> I do. <laughs> because I tell people all the time, it's not about the bass. It's about the music. Right. So I encourage that. And we don't, you know, we never play the song live like it's on the record. You know, so they would have to wait for for cues for me. You know, so when you come to my show, you're not going to hear exactly how you hear it on the record. Okay. Because I call the cue. I say, okay, this is time for a change, and I'll give a look. I'll give a look <laughs> at the saxophone player and say, okay, it's your turn. I'll give a look at the keyboard player because we know the, we know the form of the song, so we don't go away from that. Is this how long you want to play your solo? <laughs> sometimes, sometimes they'll give a nod, like, I'm done now. <laughs> so we go back into the head of the song. So right. I encourage that. If you watch some of my uh, live performances, you will see a guitar player just step up in the middle or a saxophone player step up in the middle and go and play. That's what makes it live. How do you get that with your band, with the new players that come in, to make them feel so relaxed and so, I guess, capable and, and, and empowered to just walk up and do their piece impromptu way? I make them comfortable. You just you just use the word. It's not. It's like night. You know, we're not going to dress the same way. We're not going to have the same look. I let them know ahead of time that look, my music is just chill. It's like me. It's relaxing. So I make you know I open that up for them. You know that they have this environment. It's not like oh, what if I want to do this? What go ahead and do it, man. <laughs> you know, that's how it comes out. So I, I let them know ahead of time. You know we. You know there's no regimen. You know the song, you know the, you know the form of the song. Let's just have fun and see where it takes us. 
That's fantastic. Your first album, if I'm not mistaken, we talked about your first album and you said that you had some difficulties getting it out there. You had a quote from a book, don't spend money on something no one wants. (laughs) I believe that was something that you said to me. Is that related to the first album, getting it out there? Um, that you weren't sure whether you wanted to spend the money on putting it together and getting it out there? Right. Well, it was my thing was I learned that I didn't have an audience yet. I was just in the basement making music. Oh. And then it was like, okay, I'm not playing anywhere. I'm not performing. Uh, What am I going to do with all these CDs that I just had made? (laughs) So I learned that you have to build your audience before you spend the money to put out for all these all this music and, and CDs. So I was a little nervous about that. Hey, I haven't been playing. Nobody knows who I am. I'm just this guy making music in my basement right now. So yeah, that was that was the thing about it. But then eventually, you know, people started listening and it started getting out there. But that first initial CD is like, okay, I made all these CDs. <laughs> and no one knows who I am. I don't even have a band yet. <laughs> You didn't have somebody sitting in the window listening to you playing? No, I didn't have that. (laughs) (laughs) It was me and the drum machine and and the keyboard and stuff like that. So, but, you know, like I said, you grow and you learn and you meet more people and you you have more opportunities and it just, it's a learning curve and you learn as you go. Has your earlier work had any kind of inspiration for the newer stuff, the the more, the later albums that you produced, or are you creative in a way that you try different things every album you don't look at the past the past is i've tried that that sits there as a as a as an icon on its own and each album is an individual piece of work that you go that's on its own now we're going to try this kind of stuff which way do you work do you work by looking back and saying yeah i like some of this i'm going to try a little bit more of it yeah i don't think i make a reference to the older music you know everything evolves from what i'm doing at the time if i pick up my bass and put on a drum beat. Whatever comes out of that, I move forward. So, and, and that's my process. You know, if I hear a little something, if I hear a little horn part or something, if I hear a melody, that's how the song comes together. It's not like, oh, let me see what I did last time and bring something in from that. Right. Every, every song kind of sits on its own. It, it evolves on what I'm working on at the time. Right. And things has other musical influences brought something to the table. Like if all of a sudden you heard some Creole music, you know, you're out somewhere, maybe New Orleans, you're traveling and you hear something that's different from stuff that you've heard before. Does that influence the work that you're doing? You go, hey, I really like that beat or I really like that sound. I want to drag that into some new pieces because I like that. That sounds different. I want to bring that in. Does that happen to you any at any point in time? Oh, yeah, because I'm always listening. I'm always listening. If I'm out, if it's a festival, if I'm not playing, I don't know anyone. If there's music, I'm always listening. So even if I put on something that's not mine, because I tell people all the time, look, I'm a fan first. You know, I'm always listening to what people are doing. And it may be an influence. You may hear some Latin influences on some of my songs. You may hear some Caribbean influence on some of my song. So, um, yeah, because I'm listening. Ooh, that sounds so nice. <laughs> oh, I like that. Okay, let me go home right now. And sometimes <laughs> I, I will pull out my phone and just record a little something. Just a melody that I'm hearing in my ear, just based on what I'm hearing somebody play. Right. Oh, I, I hear a different melody. And now, I, then when I get home, I bring the tape recorder out, 
and this is what I'm hearing. I pick up my bass, start a little drum machine. So absolutely, I'm always listening. So that's the creative process starts for you with with listening. Do you at any point in time, I, what I'm trying to get is walk me through your creative process in the sense that where does it start? And then how do you evolve it? So I know the drum machine is part of it because you like to have that beat in the background, but yeah. where does it, is it an idea in your head? Is it a sound that you bring and then you try to replicate on the bass or with the drums, you get a beat going that you've heard and that starts. Walk me through your creative process. I'd love to hear about it. Okay, this is my process. Let me say I hear a melody in my head. I'll come home and I'll, I'll try to record it if I can. So you don't want to lose it because sometimes you just lose it. I might hear I might hear just the melody, and I'll come home and I'll pull up my uh, my keyboard, and I'll just start working on the melody. And I'll, you know you got to have a backbone, so you have the beat. Then I'll start playing the bass, and I may just have one part of the song. I may walk away from it for a while and just have that one part, that one short melody. And then I'll come back to it again, and once I have maybe three or four minutes, I'll just put. Just the structure, just the melody, just the bass line. It may change later, and I'll do that. And then if I hear a horn part, you know, you know, in my system, in my um, work doll, I'll play the little horn part. You know, of course, I'm not going to play it, but I have access to playing something like that. And then once I have the uh, structure, I will bring, bring, bring in the players. It always starts with bass. I'll have the drum machine. And then I'll bring in the keyboard player. I 99% of the time always start with the keyboard foundation, just the under underlining foundation of the song. Right. And I may walk away from it. And then if it's not my band here, once I know what I want, once I have the melody, if I want to, it's always next. Usually you hear most of my song has sax players on it. <laughs> so I'll have the sax play. And I, I don't tell them in terms of what solo to play. They'll have the structure, the melody. And then this is where I want your solo. This is where I want you to come out. This is where I want your next solo. This is where I want you to come out. So I piece it together. Okay. There's another instrument. Lately on my songs, I've been falling in love with trumpet a lot more. Ah, okay. The last two CDs you've heard, there may be saxophone, but there's going to be some trumpet. Yeah. Like I said, this is where you can come in with the solo. Like I said, these guys have been working with me forever. So I'll let them put the solo. I don't give them any uh, direction for their solo because it's their solo. long as it fits in with the framework of the song. Right. And 99.10 of the time, if we're not all in the same room, I always do drums last. Because the drummer is listening to what everybody else is doing in the song. So my drums always come last. Yeah, uh, and then you know maybe percussion before drums, because the drummers that I work with they they are good listeners. They know what to accent, what to put here, what to put there, and that's my formula. You know, I may make a little change here and there. I didn't like this here, and I always ask for three samples, three or four. Right, and so I don't have to tell them anymore. Well, Brian's going to want three or four different solos here. <laughs> and I pick and choose at the end. Right, what I want. Have you ever had an influence that bang the song changed just because of a set of notes that you heard? Halfway a lot through. of times, absolutely, <laughs> a lot of times. You know, I think sometimes the listeners, 
don't realize the process that you go through. <laughs> Once they hear this song, they're like, oh, that's great. But there have been times like, oh, that sounds so much better than what I had in my life. <laughs> We're going to change this up a little bit. So that happens maybe, maybe 20% of the time. Oh, my goodness. The 80%, <laughs> it goes the way I intended it. Right. There are always a few times like, oh, that's so different than what I thought. Let's switch it up to this. <laughs> So that happens. Absolutely. Has there ever been a situation where you've heard something and I went, oh, I was almost finished the song and this makes the song so much better. I got to make a change. It rarely happens. Usually once I've gotten all the guys in and I, I hear what I really wanted to hear, I'm done with it. But I won't I won't say that it has never happened, but it <laughs> rarely happens. So usually when I'm, when I'm at the end of the song, I'm done. So it just tweaks here and there. Right. You know, sometimes uh, I've gotten at the end of the song and decided, uh, no, I don't really like that. You know, <laughs> I'm taking some parts out, but right. it's too much. Because sometimes you can just get carried away. <laughs> when you have access to a whole bunch of things, right. sometimes I've taken stuff out and made it less. Uh, when I've enjoyed the first part of it, then it was more. I'm like, no, that's a bit much. Let's take some parts <laughs> I've listened to some of your interviews, uh, or pardon me, your podcasts, and I recall you saying something about you doing revisions. So you take an original song and you're changing it. Have you done that on a number of occasions with any of the newer albums that you've got? It's funny that you should say that because I am working on a CD called Revisited. Absolutely. Ah. And I'm taking songs that I played maybe early on, the first three or four CDs, when I didn't have any experience, when I didn't have access to the musicians I have access to, some of them when I had just drum machines. Right. Uh, you know, and I'm, I have access to new people now. So I am revisiting them with a different approach and knowing more and having access to different people and more musicians, I'm switching it up. Like you said, I'm keeping the same vibe of the song keeping the same beat, the same melody, but adding new musicians because I have access to more musicians just in the process of mixing one of the songs from my Without the Word CD. There's a song on there called One More Time. And I'm almost done with that song. It's called One More Again. <laughs> so I'm doing that and it's turning out great, at least, you know, in my opinion, it's turning out really nice. So I'm looking, I'm excited about sharing these songs, updated versions of what it was when I first started out back I've, in the early 90s. I'm going to probably when it drops. So when when are you looking at it dropping, revisited? Well, it's going to take a, a while. I've gotten two done. <laughs> I've been putting uh, between eight and 11 songs on the CD. Okay. So it'll be a bit of work. It's a Hopefully bit of work. by the first of the year, I'll be are done you, with it. Are you going to tour with it? No, I'm I'm actually taking a little break now from playing okay. and recording. And then, you know, I'm trying to replenish, trying to spend some time with family, but I'm recording the music. Right. But we'll okay. see what happens after that. And 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 don't break your foot before you go out on tour. Don't no. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't want to do that. But, you know, it's time to, you know, replenish the body and spend some time with the family. They've yeah. heard my music for the past 13 or 14 years every day, 24 <laughs> hours a day. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm doing a lot of time, spending a lot of time recording now. 
Right. And, uh, you know, let's see what happens after that. I'm sure you're going to have a number of, of your fans listening to the originals and then try doing the comparison and seeing how much nuance there is to certain songs. And I'm sure your family is also going to be listening, going, yeah, I remember that song. I remember when yeah. you were doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this one sounds so much better. Yeah, I think we could listen to this one again. <laughs> yeah, here's the thing about it. See, I share the process with social media. Um, I let them hear the first song, and I've always shared the process as we go along. I ask right. for their input, their opinion about what I'm doing. So <laughs> I've been doing that for a few years now. You know, I start on the song. I let them know this is the old song. Even with my new music, I've always, in the past couple of years, shared the beginning of the song, shared, you know, what parts I have now, what do you think about it. So um, that's been my process, sharing as I go along. And that's been a lot of fun. Have you had any artists reach out to you when you were doing that process and say, hey, I really like that bit. Have you thought about, have you had any kind of input in that nature as opposed to just fans saying, Hey, really love that piece. Absolutely. I've heard, I've had some artists say, Hey, I think you need a little horn on that. Or, hey, <laughs> I think my keyboard part would be nice on that. So I get a lot of feedback. It's a, it's a fun process. I do. Yeah. Have you had people submitting audio for you? Not yet, but I've gotten yeah. a lot of suggestions. So, <laughs> yeah. or I've gotten a lot of, Hey man, my, my so-and-so, my organ would be great on that. So, We'll see. I always wait until later on in the song till I have more of a structure before I do that. But I have had artists say, hey, man, I think you need some of this out there. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, you should actually ask maybe maybe while you're in that process, say, hey, if you've got something you want to submit and then do a fan based, you know, when you have the time, do a submission that here's fan based alteration. That's a good idea. But my last CD, um, I have musicians from all around the world on it because I actually reached out to them because I liked what they were playing on their instrument. Oh, fantastic. In fact, this new seat, this new song that I'm working on, One More Again, I have an amazing guitar player on it that I've been following on Instagram for the past couple of years. And I reached out. He's from Canada. Okay. And he's like, I, I always follow up with what he's doing. And so I had like I reached out to him like, hey man, I like your style of play. I'm gonna send you this track, and I did. And I, you know, he played on it, and uh, he's gonna be part of the first song. Oh, nice! I always reach out to people that I like what they're doing. So uh, even with my last CD, Groove Cafe, yeah. I have performers from all around the world on on that, those songs. Mm -hmm. So they, they do their work, not in your studio, obviously. They do, you send them the song, they do their submission, you put it together, and you're the one that produces and, and yes, it, puts it all together, yeah? All remotely. I have I have people from Germany, the Netherlands, the UK, um, on the Groove Cafe CD. Right. I have a guy from Canada on his new song, because I like what uh, they've been playing. So right. I reach out, and you know, I don't work with just my band. I You know, I have people from everywhere that I um, work with. So in, in my mind, that's how music, music, music is global. I know there's politics all over the place and, you know, you've got your separation by walls and countries and so forth, but I found music is universal. It's universal, man. It's just amazing. I love it. You know, the music is the music, uh, whether or not the, the language translates or not, the music is the music. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's the same notes <laughs> for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we all get the same notes. And you did a video of getting a Kiesel bass, and it 
it's personalized. It's got your name on it. How did you manage that one? How did that, how did that come about that you got a personalized base? Because the look on your face, it's like a kid at Christmas. It's like, yeah. <laughs> well, here's the thing about Kiesel. Um, you design it yourself online. You can pick and choose what you want on the base. So the giddiness is because you have to wait <laughs> so long to get it after you've designed it. So uh -huh. I designed that base online and uh, with all the specs and everything that I wanted, the colors and all that stuff uh, on the base. So it's the anticipation of once you finally have it in your hands. Right. It's amazing. So this is the That's base. That's it right there? Yeah. And how does it sound? So just out of curiosity, because you designed it yourself, but I don't know if you're a musical engineer to, you know, the 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 impact of the design pieces that you do. Does it sound the way you want it to sound? Is it actually that perfect sounding bass that you want? It sounds really, really good. So, yeah, you know, you pick out the color, everything, the how the knobs are going to look and all that good stuff. And it sounds pretty good. Uh, quick story. Um I, I moved to San Diego uh, in 2001. Now, Kiesel has always made guitars, but they used to be called Carvin. Now, I lived in Atlanta, and uh, I had a lot of Carvin equipment. Carvin bass amps, you know, all kinds of Carvin stuff. Right. So I moved to uh, San Diego. Before we bought our home, we were living in an apartment. And like I do, I want to get out and go around. And three blocks up, what do I see? Oh my goodness, I live three blocks up from Carvin. So <laughs> I was so, so super excited about that. And uh so uh and then to have them make a base for me. I mean, they've been making bases and equipment for a long time, but to yeah. be that close and to finally when I moved to Charlotte to decide, hey, oh my goodness, they can make me a base and they can have my own specs. Uh, it was the, that's why you saw me so giddy when I opened my my Kiesel base. But uh, it used to be called Carvin, and I have two Carvin bases still yeah. that I love. So you know the excitement about that is just I was overjoyed. The, so. the fact that that you had Carvin throughout the earlier parts of your career, and then to suddenly be able to create your own personalized version. But it's Kiesel now, but it's still, you, for you, Carvin, your own, you carved out your own Carvin, uh, uh, <laughs> that that you made a base, and it's yours, but it's from the company that you really love and appreciate because of the quality of their pieces. Because you have to wait maybe uh, four months or so to get it, you know, sometimes longer because, and to have it and then finally get it, you know, it's like, oh, Christmas, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> So is bass your first instrument? Well, it was not bass. No. My best friend and I decided that we were going to uh, start playing. I bought a guitar. He bought a bass. Oh. Uh, after fooling around with it, maybe for a couple weeks, a couple months, I decided this was, this was not for me. And he decided, hey, the bass is not for me. So we just switched. We just uh, we just traded. I took his bass, he took my guitar, and then it stuck with me from then on. So it's been bass from, and I still have a 
I have two amazing nylon string guitars. I don't really play, but I have, I will pick out a melody and I have played it on a few songs. I won't tell you which one. (laughs) (laughs) I have two amazing nylon string guitars. I'm a fan of nylon string. Uh, They're called La Patre guitars. Um, They're Canadian made from Quebec. And I love these two guitars. So um, bass was is really my instrument, but I love the sound of uh, a nylon string guitar. Earl Clue, all those guys, and on some of my songs, you will hear a lot of nylon string as well. I have yeah. amazing uh, guitar player uh, Peter Sprague, um, who lives in San Diego. If you Google Google Peter Sprague, you'll you'll hear just amazing work from him. He's played on several of my songs because I love to hear that. Yeah. It's usually saxophone or nylon string or piano. Those are normally the main instruments you hear soloing on some of my songs. Fantastic. So to answer the question, it was a guitar. Yeah. I didn't really uh, learn to play it well. <laughs> so <laughs> we switched, and bass has stuck with me ever since. Bass for you is like, it's it's like breathing. It's it's a natural. And I don't know how you managed to make that switch so so easily. You know, oh, guitar, no. But bass, yes. <laughs> yes, bass is my happy place. Absolutely, yes. I love well, you it. can sort of tell you've got them all around you here in the background, which is... <laughs> <laughs> this is my uh, mini recording studio, so this is where I am. So I have easy access to everything here, yeah. Do you do any keyboard work at all? No, I just use it to pick out the melodies. Okay. Um, I might pick out the horn parts and like, this is where I'm going with this. You know, in in my workstation, I can pull up horns and all kinds of different intru- instruments. So I just use it to pick out the melodies and I let the professionals come in and play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would love to know how to, you know, I just didn't gravitate toward learning how to play the keyboard. Right. But I wouldn't pick out the melodies on it. You look like you're sitting at a keyboard because of the way your shoulders are relaxed and the height of that, what's in front of you, it feels like, oh, and that's not a computer desk. You're sitting in front of something musical. I can see the way. Yeah, you know, this is, this is my studio desk. So I have my 88 keyboard sitting over here and I have my little mini keyboard workstation right oh. here. <laughs> you know, everything is uh, around me. So I can just swivel around. And have access to everything. So, and the drums in the background. Who's who? Is that where you get your beat? You just sort of bang on the drum this back. Is, then. This is my actual uh, drum kit where I use for, for recording when the drummer comes in. Oh, okay. I don't send it out. It's a full drum kit, mic'd up and everything. So, um, if I'm not sending a track to a different drummer, this is where we record drums. Oh, so, really? So this is your studio. Here. You're yeah, in a, you're in an actual yeah. sound studio here. It's a sm- it's a small room, but big things come out of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just I had, noticed I had a full band in here. Oh, you did not in this. Oh yeah. oh yeah, this is this is this is my workplace. This is, if I wasn't on this giant computer screen, I'd give you a view of everything. <laughs> yeah, this is where everything happens. Like I said, unless I'm sending a track out to drummers, I use a bunch of different drummers. I use my drummer on a lot of songs, but I, you know, it depends on the song. As a producer, depends on what I, I'm hearing, who I want to play on the track. Okay. But yeah, this is where this is where I work. This is that's why you see everything here. Well, this is funny because I'm talking to you, and I've been focused. My attention is on you as we're talking, 
But when you start to point out that the keyboard is there, I noticed that you had the keyboard and I've noticed that you've got the basses around you. And I was thinking, wait a minute. And I see drums and now I'm looking at the walls and I see you've got the reflective sound panels to quiet the sound dampeners. And I'm wait a minute, this is a studio setup. This is not just yes. his, his back room where he's got a couple of instruments hanging around. This is a professional studio here. Yeah, this is this is my setup. I mean, it's all soundproofed and <laughs> and everything. All my monitors and all, everything's in here. And the, you're right, this is not a regular desk. This is a, this is where all my software equipment and uh, power amps and all that good stuff, It's everything is in here. So... Yeah, this is where I work. <laughs> That's phenomenal. This for me, this is where I interview. Um, this is uh, all I have is a picture, and I have a tree. If you watch all of my interviews, picture tree. The original interviews, I think I had a palm, and the palm died, so I had to get this. Um, <laughs> That's that's my worry. I wish I had more, you know, equipment things around me to make it more interesting, but I I don't. Um and I feel embarrassed seeing seeing the the quality, the level of equipment that you have around you. It's sort of boy, do I feel like I don't have enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. This is you have just enough to do what you do. So absolutely. Well, I have you. That's all I need, really, is to have somebody talented, skilled as you across from me. That's what makes my work worthwhile. I don't need me. I have a face for radio. You you have the talent and skill that you do, and that's that's what makes you as good as you are. Um, but I have a question related to way back in the day. Did you receive at any point in time in your life advice that has stuck with you through all of your albums, your your 11 albums, through all the work that you've done, is there anybody who said something to you that has carried you forward, that has made an impact on the inside of you to say, you know what, this is where I've got to go. This is my focus. This is what I'm going to do because I heard this or I received this. And then you take that information and you've given it to other people as well because it's had such an impact on you. Has that ever happened to you? Did you have that in the early on? Well, yeah, and I can't attribute, attribute it to one person. There were a few people who said the same thing. And this was the advice that they gave me. It's like, it's better to be prepared and not have an opportunity than to have an opportunity and not be prepared. Yeah. Now, and I use that all the time. Now, uh, the modern day vernacular is this. If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. (laughs) I like that better. Yeah. So that's what they say now. But it's better to be prepared and not have an opportunity than to have an opportunity and not be prepared. So it's like, you know, always be ready because you never know um, when you're going to have to be ready. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it sounds the second way you said it sounds so much more um, Brian, Brian Anderson to me. I do. Be ready so you don't have to get ready. That Absolutely. sounds like you. It's almost Absolutely. like an intro to one of your songs. You know, you that's say, what they say today. <laughs> I, you know, I can't give the, you know, it's not for me, but it's what, it's what they say now. If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready, you know? So that's it. That almost so sounds that's like been good advice. Like, okay, be ready. Just yeah. in case. It sounds like a, a, one of your, one of your songs titles, you know, be ready, stay ready. You know, that <laughs> sounds like something that you have, right? <laughs> you may have just given me an idea for this song. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Time to get the keyboard going. Okay, we got some tunes to go with Be Ready. I like yeah, that. Yeah, here we go. Let's go. Uh, don't be surprised. Uh, be Ready <laughs> might be uh, my next hit. Uh, I give you credit for that. <laughs> oh, 
Please, no, no, it's all you. I'm just simply reiterating and what I hear. Um, but no, you have the talent, you have the quality of, of your work. To which, before we start to play it, I want to talk to you about the video that you did for the song we're going to be playing nice and easy. I understand that it didn't happen the way you wanted it to because you started it with the idea, oh, maybe I should make a video. What should I do? Walk me through the the trauma that was the video that finally turned out into something absolutely beautiful. Walk me through that. Well, here's another thing about that. You see, you never know where a song is going to go. That song was originally called 3.30. You know, when people, <laughs> people always ask me, where do you get up? Where do you come up with these names? Well, uh, I looked up at the clock and I was working on this song at 3.30 in the morning. <laughs> and so, um, and it was so relaxing. I was like, oh, that needs to be called nice and easy because um, that's what it evolved to, nice and easy. And once the song got together, the person you hear in the back background, there's a little scat in the background. This is one of those things where the person is in Germany who is a marvelous keyboard player and singer. And I loved her voice so much that I reached out to her. It's like, I had originally done the backgrounds myself. I'm like, well, it would sound so much better with this person. So um, I switched it up. It's one of those songs where I'm like, no, I'm going to take my voice off of it and put her voice on it. So she agreed to it. And that's how I got the background. It Fantastic. changed the name of the song. This is not working. And then it evolved into this amazing song. And I'm like, I need a video for this song. So um, I found an amazing person, a young lady who had just graduated from the Schoolie of the Arts here in Charlotte, who just happened to be a friend of my daughter's. I'm like, uh, okay, you would be perfect for this song. And so I had picked out a venue and everything for it. Uh, the venue ended up not being available. It was hot, and it was just not the right venue outside in a local park. So I'm scrambling around trying to find out where I'm going to do this video. Didn't really have the money for the video at the time. I exhausted all my resources and all this stuff. But then the Arts and Science Council here in Charlotte came through for me. Gave me some extra money. The last minute, I found the uh, venue, had a great uh, videographer, and it's it all worked out at the end, and then you have the so the song and the video, nice and easy from my latest CD. Well, before it, it worked out, one of the venues you were going to go with, it didn't there wasn't there a storm for the for two days? Yeah, it did. I mean, you know, it was it was hot and it rained and there was a storm. I'm like, we can't do this video here, so uh, I found the indoor venue. And it all worked out at the end. So yeah, the the look and feel of the video is phenomenal. If people get a chance, they need to they need to watch it. Um, I'm hoping my producer is probably going to have it playing on on the TV station as well. Um, but for now, for the audience's privilege, um, the creative talents of Brian Anderson with "Nice and Easy." Enjoy.
wow, that you put this together and you had, you know, the powers that be throwing lightning storms at you <laughs> to yeah, say, was, wait a minute, pause. This is not what you're supposed to do. Nah, it, was, <laughs> it was just bad. And I had wanted to do it at that park because it's a very cool park. Yeah. And then it was hot and then the storm. And it was, it, uh, it's the it voice was, of the machine telling you, you've got a better place to put it. And where you did it, it seems so it's 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 theatrical it's really it's it why you should submit it for an award it has that quality to it so thank you we end up finding an amazing dance studio so yeah no it's beautiful absolutely it almost looks it looks antique it looks you know the the quality of the of the location it's not a modern location it's a very vintage location and it fits the music so well if it had been modern and stark I don't think you would have had the same feeling, you know, and it has that natural organic feel to it that maybe even a park would have had, right? There's no trees, yeah, but it still has that, that very nice flow to the building, the structure. And then of course the dancer is absolutely beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and it's a very old building, which was perfect. I mean, I mean, really old dance studio. So yeah. uh, it turned out really nice. Well, I want to thank you, Brian, for speaking with me today. It was an absolute sincere pleasure talking to you. Um, definitely looking forward to your new release uh, for uh, Revisited. Um, I believe that's what you said its name yeah, is. That's, Revisited. Look, yeah. Devon, that's what it's called now. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. Because it could have been, it could be 3 p.m. or, or 3 o'clock, pardon me, and it may change but too. It nice may change. <laughs> uh, but I hope you got everything you want. And I so appreciate uh, you taking the time to speak with me. Oh, no, no. It is my it's my honor, my pleasure, because, as I say, I absolutely love your music and I like I am definitely looking forward to what's coming out. Uh, the new work that you're doing and the piece that you may do. And I can't even remember the name that we gave to it. Um, you may, you know, I would make sure you get a, a full CD copy of it. Absolutely. That would be my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. This has been fun. It has. Thanks, Brian. I'm going to make oh. some music now. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll let you get to your music. Thank you. Take care. Bye for now.